Greetings to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. Hallelujah. We are in Habakkuk chapter 2 today. So let's turn in our Kadosh Holy Word to the book of Habakkuk and we are in chapter 2. I'm going to delve straight in with the watchman. We are watchmen in this day and age, and it says, and it is written, I will stand upon my watch and station myself upon the tower, and I will watch to see what he will say to me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. So this is the opening statement here in Habakkuk chapter 2. And one of the greatest earmarks of our faith is waiting. Is waiting. Waiting patiently on Yahuwah and seeking Him even when we don't hear from Him. To continually drive and press in and seek Him in His ways. Not our ways, not my ways, not your ways, but to continually seek Yahuwah. We don't want to seek him through the world, but we want to seek Yahuwah through his word. If we don't, we'll fall into the falsehood of men. Now, a watchman isn't someone who blasts their views into your inbox, someone who inundates you with their opinions and all of their propaganda. That isn't a watchman. No, a watchman is somebody that listens that waits and then when they act they act decisively upon the counsel of Yahweh's word so people can say oh I'm a watchman I'm no you're not listening you're not acting upon the cat you're acting upon your own ideas continuously you don't even have the silence in your life to be able to hear Because a watchman listens for that still, small voice. Propaganda, social media nonsense is the earthquake. And Yahweh is not in the earthquake. He is not in the thunder. He is not in the lightning. He is in the still, small voice, the prophets tell us. Second Peter chapter 2 verse 1, it is written, But there arose false prophets also among the people, as among you also there are many false teachers who shall privily bring in destructive heresies, denying even the master that bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20, additionally, it is written, Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not Elohim made foolish the wisdom of the world? For seeing that in the wisdom of Elohim, the world through its wisdom knew not Elohim. It was Elohim's good pleasure through the foolishness of the preaching to save them that believe. You see, we can search for answers here and we can search for answers there. Bouncing to and fro, trying to circumnavigate the waiting game. 
But you can't circumnavigate the waiting game if you are the righteous, if you are a follower of Yahuwah. Because part of being a disciple of Yahuwah is learning to, to wait. To wait on Yahuwah's good pleasure. But don't try and play games with Elohim because you aren't willing to wait. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11, it is written, He hath made everything beautiful, but it's not beautiful in my time. It's not beautiful in your time. It's beautiful in his time. Because my time, I want it now. Okay, there's going to be change. I can see change coming. I've got to make the changes now. But it doesn't work like that. It's in his time. And then when it's in his time, it's beautiful. When it's in my time, it's forced and it becomes sour. It's his time. He also hath set eternity in their heart. Yet so that men cannot find out the work that Elohim hath done from the beginning even to the end. And then in Job chapter 11, I love this, verse 7, it is written, Can't thou by searching find out Yahuwah? Can't thou find out the Almighty unto perfection? You see, if you and I try to seek Yahuwah through human logic, and I tried when I was deep in the Messianic movement, I tried to continually seek Yahuwah by getting smarter through my own human logic and reason, and it failed me. And I've shared this testimony many times. And I came back to my first love, Yahushua HaMashiach, and the strong faith that he planted and engrafted into me by his death, resurrection, and seating at the right hand of the Father. But if we try and seek Yahuwah through human logic, intellect, and reason, we'll end up alienated from Yahuwah in our own thoughts, in our own mind. And we're just going around like this with all of these crazy thoughts in our head because what we've done is we've got used to our own cycles of thinking instead of the cycles of Yahuwah. Believe me, I fell into that trap feeling like your way is actually hid from Yahuwah, like he doesn't even really know you at times. That he's wary of seeking you. He's not searching for you as you search for him. You'll become ever increasing weaker in your faith. Because you listened to the small voices in your head. Instead of his still small voice. Isaiah 40 verse 27. It is written. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, Jacob, of course, you, the twelve tribes of Israel scattered abroad, why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from Yahuwah. He's not listening to me. He doesn't even see me. He doesn't even hear my prayers. Why is my way hid from him? Well, how are you approaching him, Matthew? Is it through your intellect, logic, and reason? The wisdom of men, the folly of men? Or are you seeking him through his word? Are you seeking him through a still, small, quiet voice? Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from Yahuwah, and justice due to me is passed away from my Elohim? Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? The everlasting Elohim, Yahuwah, the creator of the ends of the earth, he fainteth not. 
neither is he weary and neither is he but he is searching no searching nor understanding he giveth power to the faint and to him that no might he will increase your strength when you're feeling weak he will increase your strength but in reality we know come on we do know the true revealer of Yahuwah is the word of Yahuwah the true revealer of Yahuwah is the word of Yahuwah a slow meditation upon the word is what the watchman does and this is Habakkuk chapter 2 the watchman the slow meditation upon the word of Yahweh. Here a little, as the prophet says, there a little. Precept upon precept, line upon line. Don't let Satan scatter ashes in your eyes and darken your judgment. Please. Too many people are letting Satan scatter ashes in their eyes and darken their judgment because they are choosing to depart from the Bible and search after human logic and reason. Everything that we need is written within these pages. Yet men still go searching after other obscure writings, other books that are non-biblical. And I've done it in the past. And I'm just hoping that you won't have to walk down the paths that I've trekked. Because the Bible, Scripture alone, is Yah-breathed and inspired. It is good for reproof and the building and equipping up of the saints. We have to learn to turn to Yahuwah. We truly do in these days. We have to learn to wait for the interpreting word. His interpreting word and realize we have no independent wisdom on our own. We don't. We do not have independent wisdom of our own. It comes by a dependence upon the word of Elohim. Jeremiah the prophet said it so succinctly in Jeremiah 42 verse 5 where it is written. Then they said to Jeremiah, Yahuwah be a true and faithful witness amongst us. Is he? Is Yahuwah's word a true and faithful witness amongst us? Or do we need to go searching after non-biblical works to try and puff up our own human logic, intellect, and wisdom? I've done it, and I tell you what, I guarantee you, the book of Jubilees, it never changed my life. It never inspired me. It never actually made me a better husband, a better father, and a better friend. The Dead Sea Scrolls, it never will change your life. It will never, never impart the spirit of Yahuwah in you. It will never affect your marriage in a positive way. It will never help you in the relationships with humans. Because the spirit of Yahuwah does not live within the works of men's pens. Though history is interesting, we must never get our doctrine and our faith from historical writings. The Spirit testifies alone within the Word. Spend your time in the Word and do not be deceived by the folly of human logic, intellect, because it will fail you. There are so many that are departing 
But you, please, do not do those things. I praise Yahuwah that I am able to testify these words to you because you know what? Yahuwah showed me the folly of the ways that I had gone within searching those things. Never again. And I return to my first love to teach the first love and the truth of the word to you. Jeremiah understood these prophecies. He understood these truths as well. Then they said to Jeremiah, Yahweh will be a true and faithful witness amongst us. But we've got to seek him where he dwells. He dwells in his word by his spirit. He does not dwell in history. He does not dwell in the writings of men. But he dwells within his word. And if we do not do according to all the word, wherein Yahweh thy Elohim shall send thee to us, whether it be good or whether it be evil, we will obey the voice of Yahweh Elohim. To whom we send thee, that it may be well with us. When we obey the voice of Yahweh our Elohim, and it came to pass after ten days. How many days? After 10 days that the word of Yahuwah came to Jeremiah. Did Jeremiah wait? Did Jeremiah wait upon the word of Yahuwah? Or did the word of Yahuwah come to him immediately? He had to wait. Like Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 1. A watchman waits patiently. This is a word of encouragement to all of you. To wait. To be patient. Yahweh is working together with his son in your life. You may not see it right now, but wait. Because he is continually working together with his son in our lives. And in dark times, you will need to have the strength of confidence to rely that he will speak to you. Because in the dark times, will you and I have the confidence that Yahuwah has yet more to speak to us? Will we? Or will we abandon hope in the face of perplexity and trial and despair? It's where the rubber hits the road. You see, there is no question of this for Habakkuk the prophet. He is assured that Yahuwah will act. Oh yes, Yahuwah will act. Yahuwah will reveal... That there is much more to come if only we wait earnestly in prayer and expectation. Wait. Do you believe that there's more coming? Do you believe there's more coming in your life or Yahuwah's done with you? I don't believe he's done with you. I don't believe he's done with me. There is more coming. But if you try to seek Yahuwah outside of his word, he will not be found. So come back. Come back into the scripture. The scripture alone is where the Ruach of Yahuwah dwells. 1 Thessalonians 5.16, it is written, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing, even when you're driving in the car. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of Elohim in Messiah Yahusha to you, Ward. Psalm 33, verse 20. Our soul, it waited. Our soul waiteth for Yahuwah because he's our help and he's our defender. He's our shield. We've got to learn to be patient. This is what Habakkuk needs to communicate to you and me and me 
today in Habakkuk chapter 2. Psalm 106 verse 12. Then believed they his words. They sang his praises. They soon forgot his works. They waited not for his counsel. They went after the counsel of men. And they lost the blessing. In this day of internet, there is so much stuff to read, isn't there? I have little time for it. I have little time for it. Oh, you need to read this. Oh, look at this research. Oh, look at this. This is where I dwell. Look at verse 1. The watchtower is symbolic of ascending a high place to look into the distance for a sign. But we've got to wait for an answer. We don't like that bit. Yahweh alone determines when his promises will be delayed and when his promises will be fulfilled. Not me, not you. Listen to these biblical phrases that I'm about to speak. And we're all familiar with them, but oftentimes we forget them. It's all about waiting. In the fullness of time. Meaning you've got to wait. Because you're not quite yet there. In the fullness of time. When the hour has come. Meaning the hour has not yet come. You have to wait. When it is fully ripe. Meaning it's not ripe yet. You still have to wait. But of the day and the hour no one knows. Because we have not yet arrived there. And we still have to. It is the foundational key to the blessing is understanding how to wait on Yahuwah. That's where the blessings are. It's in that struggle. And it is so opposite the world that we live in where we hit a button. It's instantaneous. You go on to our current Torah to the tribes website and you hit a button and you have to wait. And you have to wait. And you have to wait. And maybe in five minutes the page will load. Well, that's all going to change in the next three weeks. Because we understand that people don't like waiting. And we don't want you to have to wait for our web page. But we do want each other to wait on Yahuwah, right? But we live in a society where we hit the button and boom, it's got to be there. Well, our faith isn't like that. Don't carry that into the faith. We'll carry it into our website, but not into our faith, right? I'm being a little silly, but you know, time's a funny thing, isn't it? Time is a funny thing. Time puffs. Time pants towards its end. Hence the Pauline phraseology. It's like running a race, isn't it? Time puffs and pants towards its end. First Corinthians 9. It's like running a race. Now Habakkuk at first may have thought that the Babylonian invasion was actually a wrench in the plan of Yahuwah. He may have thought that the Babylonian invasion was actually derailing the plan of Yahuwah. Maybe even setting it back. I think that's what Habakkuk thought. But he came to understand just like Peter understood in Second Peter chapter 3 verse 9. That Yahuwah is not slack. Concerning his promise. As some count slackness. But is long suffering to you ward. Not desiring that any should perish. But that all should come to repentance. Look at verse 2 of Habakkuk chapter 2. This has been so rich to me. Just so rich. 
just a meditation upon the prophet Habakkuk and his words. And Yahweh answered me, and he said, Write the vision and make it a plain upon tablets, that he may run that reads it, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. It shall speak to the end. It shall not lie, though it lingers. Wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not delay. We can't actually delay the kingdom of Yahuwah's coming. We can't. But we can hasten it. We can hasten the kingdom's coming. Second Peter 3.12 Look for and earnestly desire the coming of the day of Yahuwah. Do you earnestly desire it? The day of the coming of Yahuwah? And we can decide, you and I, we actually have the power to decide how we're going to live like I said last week and the week before, in the meantime. That's what we have the power to do. How are you and I going to live in the meantime? Under Yahuwah's curse or under his blessings? Under the book of the law or under the book of the covenant? How do you want to live? I choose to live under the Zedek book of the covenant because that is where the blessings are. And if we choose the blessings, then the not yet can kind of become our now, can't it? Think about it. The not yet can kind of become our now as we live in the meantime and press in. We can actually sense the kingdom in our very lives. And that is powerful. That's what's powerful. Isn't that what we all want? To be able to sense the very kingdom in our lives. Romans talks about this because Paul took Habakkuk's word and he made them his living mantra. He really did. Paul took Habakkuk's words and he made them his living mantra as he went and visited the 12 tribes scattered abroad. He took Habakkuk's word to the communities, to the congregations that he visited. This is the same Paul that was shipwrecked. This is the same Paul that was chained and beaten and hounded unto the very end. And out of all the words of the prophets that he kept close to his heart, what words did Paul keep? He kept the words of Habakkuk close to his heart. And if they're good for Paul... They're good for you and me because we will find ourselves on those same ships that maybe will get wrecked. Maybe you'll find yourself in the same chains and the same prison for your faith. Because Romans chapter 1, turn there if you will because you'll see how this ties in. And he quotes the words of Habakkuk, particularly chapter 1 verse 17 where it is written, for therein is revealed the righteousness of Elohim from faith unto faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. This, of course, a quote from Habakkuk. Paul knew that he was living in the meantime. He knew it. Galatians chapter 3 verse 11, a quote, of course, from Habakkuk. Now that no man is justified by the law before Elohim, it is evident for the righteous shall live by faith. 
And the writer of the book of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 37, of course, quotes Habakkuk as well. For yet a very little while he that cometh shall come and he shall not tarry. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrink back, my soul has no pleasure in him. If you shrink back to depend upon the teachings of men, intellectual logic and reason, then guess what? Yahweh's soul has no pleasure in that. When we go seeking after this writing, seeking after this book, seeking, it's all a bunch of human folly. Paul used Habakkuk clearly to launch off on his teaching on justification. Justification in Romans chapter 1. He used Habakkuk to teach about justification. He witnessed the deplorable condition of the Gentile world as he was traveling out amongst it. And the justification of believers was the way out of this deplorable condition that he was witnessing. Can you imagine Can you imagine what he witnessed 2,000 years ago as he was going out to the nations and how the, the abominable acts that they would be doing, whether it was temple prostitutes, whether it was males veiled and all kinds of... Can you imagine the prisons that he was in and what he witnessed? Oh, and he knew the only way out for these people was by justification. That was their only way out of the deplorable state. We live in a similar, similar kind of world where we look and we go, oh, that is abominable. How can their only way out of the deplorable state is by coming to faith. And that is that faith then justifies them because there's no good works that they can do or you can do or I can do to get us out of the deplorable state. Do we agree on that? This is why Paul jumps off Habakkuk chapter 2 to form his theses on justification. For therein, that is in this gospel which Paul is victorious in, is the righteousness of Yahweh revealed. Romans chapter 1 verse 17. Our own hopelessness and lack of joy is the product and consequence of our iniquity. It is. But our iniquity will show us the way of salvation, which then in turn shows us the way of justification. Listen, because this, I've been meditating upon this all week. Justification is the secret of the blessed gospel. It truly is. The Jews don't understand this. But justification is the secret of the blessed gospel. The gospel makes known a righteousness to me. It makes known a righteousness to you. That's Romans 1.18. Without the gospel, I would never know the righteousness that is available to me. But before I came to know the righteousness that was available to me, I had to make known the judgment of Yahweh against my condition. One must go before the other. It's only when I understood that the judgment of Yahuwah against my condition that I stand guilty, that then once that was revealed to me, my faith went from faith to faith. This is what he's talking about. And then I understood that there was justification available to me. People don't track this if they have not the heart after Yahuwah. 
I know I'm excited, but I have literally been pondering this all week long because I've lived it. I've lived it. This is Romans 1, 17 and 18, and it's from Habakkuk. I never used to know that. Yahweh is wholly just. Can we agree on that? He's perfect without sin. Yahweh is wholly just. Whilst I am wholly a sinner. I'm wholly a sinner. And you're wholly a sinner. We've got a problem, don't we? How can a wholly just Elohim cohabit with a holy sinner? I'm not talking holy. I'm talking holy. Okay, make sure that we don't get my accent in there too much. How then do we reconcile this distinction, this difference in the equation? Yahweh is wholly just, whilst we are holy sinners. And as he is wholly just, then it must be, it absolutely must be necessary that we should have a righteousness so that we can appear before him. But where do we get that righteousness? We have to have a righteousness if we're going to be able to appear before him. And that righteousness, Romans chapter 1, verse 17 and 18, based upon Habakkuk, that righteousness is brought in by Yahushua. And it is revealed in the gospel a righteousness, that is, a graciousness and a gracious method of reconciliation and acceptance, notwithstanding our guilt of our sins. This scriptural righteousness is called the righteousness of Yahuwah. The righteousness of Yahuwah. It's of Yahuwah's appointing. It's of Yahuwah's approving. And it's of Yahweh's accepting. That's it. It's of his approving. It's of his appointing. And it's of his accepting. It's the righteousness of Messiah. And it is from faith to faith. From the faithfulness of Yahweh to the faith of man. It's a beautiful thing if we can comprehend what Habakkuk is trying to let us understand what Paul actually lived as a mantra. He truly did. This he lived. So if I were to really try and break this down as simply, because you haven't been meditating on this all week. This is the first time that you have heard it. So I'm going to try and break it down really, really succinctly in two clear points. It's twofold. Number one, so our matured faith is twofold. Our matured faith is twofold. Number one, it is from the first faith by which we're put into a justified state. Number one, from the first faith, we're put into a justified state. Meaning, when you first come to faith, you are put in a justified state. Number one, and now, number two, to our walk after faith, by which we actually live in the meantime and are continued in that state. So number one, the just shall live by faith. There's a faith that is 
justifying us, right? And then number two, live by faith. There's a faith that is maintaining us, meaning we go from faith to faith. And this is what Paul's talking about. What does it mean? We go from faith to faith. It's maintaining me. It's maintaining you. And so the sum of one and two means there is a righteousness from faith to faith. Does that make sense? I hope it does, because it, it makes a whole bunch of sense to me. Faith is not all in all, both in the beginning and the progress of believers' whole life. It is there fully encompassed all about. Now, in the messianic movement, the clarity of the gospel sometimes does get blurred. And this is the problem. It sometimes gets blurred as believers begin to see the value of Torah. Because Torah is not instructing us from faith to works. It's not. Now, I know that the Jews believe it is, but it's not. Torah is not instructing us from faith to works. As if faith put us into a justified state and then somehow works preserved and maintained us in it. No! Heavens forbid. It is all along and always will be from faith to faith. Can we agree on that? It always has been from faith to faith. This is what Paul's whole point is when he's communicating to those in the province of Rome. And 2 Corinthians says it differently in a different way. In the third chapter in the 18th verse, it says, from glory to glory, from faith to faith, from glory to glory, meaning it's ever increasing, it's ever continuing, it's ever preserving. It's a faith, a faith pressing forward. Is your faith pressing forward? My faith is pressing forward and it's getting ground over my unbelief. That's what Yahweh wants. Is your faith getting ground over your unbelief? Is your faith getting ground over your lack of joy? Is your faith getting ground over doubt and despair? It always needs to be getting ground, gaining ground in your life. You've got to nurture your faith to get it ground over unbelief. You've got to nurture your faith to get it ground over a lack of joy. Because those are faith inhibitors. And we cannot have faith inhibitors in the life of the saints. Can we? They must be cast out. Now, this is not some New Testament invention. This is what Paul is saying. It is an Old Testament, or better, a Tanakh reality. So, of course, Paul uses Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, to communicate the just shall live by faith, to prove this very point. From faith to faith, from an Old Testament faith in Messiah to come, to a New Testament faith in Messiah already come. And I know some people don't like the term Old Testament. Well, you can... Use Tanakh, and if you don't like New Testament, you can use Brit Hadashah. But I've got a big audience, people coming in from the nations, and you know, it is what it is. I'm trying to teach, educate, and edify a whole group of people. But we know, those of you that are more in the meat, it's, you know, Tanakh and, and Brit Hadashah. That's good, that's good, but let's meet people where they're at, Okay. Because it's too easy to condemn. Too easy con to condemn. You know, 
I, I'm an English-speaking person, and the majority of my audience is, though we like to dabble around in a bit of Hebrew, and sometimes I might Greek you out, and my Greek is abysmal. But anyway, you know, I like to have fun with it, and I'll just stick with the Strong's words and try and understand it. But, you know, I didn't go to school to study Greek or Hebrew, and most of you out there didn't. And those of you that say you did, you're liars. No, I mean, no, a lot of them are, though, you know. Anyway. Romans chapter 1 verse 17 says, For therein is the righteousness of Yahweh revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. I don't mean to belabor this point, but I've been meditating on it all week. We all need this righteousness to stand before Yahweh. And later in Romans chapter 3 verse 20, Paul reiterates it can't come through your works. It just can't. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Romans chapter 3 verse 28. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. We have to first witness the righteousness of Yahweh condemning And then, when? Then the righteousness of Yahuwah justifying. And then we will appear worthy of all exception. And that's my testimony. I had to realize that the righteousness of Yahuwah was condemning me. And I either had a choice to reject that or accept that. And I accepted that Yahuwah's righteousness was condemning me. And when I accepted his condemnation, that is when he showed me his son and then I was brought in to understanding and accepting his righteousness of justification. But you cannot put the cart before the horse. You have to accept Yahuwah's righteousness in condemning. Does that make sense? There's a workflow in this whole righteousness of Yahuwah. Yahuwah's righteousness condemning and then Yahuwah's righteousness justifying. And then we are worthy of all exception. The problem with the atheist is that all he sees is the righteousness of Yahuwah condemning. And so falsely concludes that Yahuwah is not righteous at all. Well, I don't believe in a condemning God that would go around condemning. And they don't have faith to faith. So they'll never understand Yahweh's justification. Because they don't have the faith to comprehend to get from A to B. So they give up at A. Because all they see is that Yahweh is condemning. And he is. But they don't accept it, so therefore they are stuck under his condemnation. You can either accept his condemnation as righteous, and then he will show you his justification. Or you can reject his condemnation as righteous, and then you are stuck in condemnation. This is the reality of the world that we live in. This is the distinction. I'm breaking it down for you nice and clearly Between the lost and the saved. It's that simple. It's that 
simple. The problem with the atheist is that all he sees is the righteousness of Yahweh condemning. And so he falsely concludes that Yahweh is not righteous at all. Because he never got to experience the righteousness of Yahweh justifying because of his lack of faith. It was not from faith to faith for the atheist, was it? It was not from faith to faith. In Romans chapter 1 verse 18, the wrath of Yahweh is revealed. So the light of nature and the light of Torah reveal the wrath of Yahweh from sin to sin. Conversely, the gospel reveals the justifying righteousness of Yahweh From faith to faith. And it's amazing how skillful, skillful Paul is that he chooses Habakkuk and he interweaves it into his gospel to the Romans. And I missed that for years and I've done a whole teaching on Romans. But this week I got it. Which is why I'm jazzed about it. I mean, I really am. But So I hope that you can be excited. Maybe not right now, but you go home now for the whole of next week and you meditate on these words because it's powerful. When you see the connections between Habakkuk 2 and Romans 1, it's a mind bomb, especially if you were such a wicked, evil heathen as I was and then you accepted his condemnation and then you, he showed you the blessed son and you realized and accepted the justification that came. Faith to faith. Wow, I love it. Romans 1.18. For the wrath of Yahweh is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of, of men, unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 4. See, the being who is puffed up is not upright. But the just shall live by his faith. Yes, also, because he transgresses by wine, he is a proud man. He neither stays at home, who enlarges his desires as hell, and is like death. He cannot be satisfied, but he gathers to himself all nations, and he heaps to himself all peoples. So right here, Habakkuk is giving you the recipe of ingredients of a faithful person. A faithful person is not puffed up. A faithful person is sober. A faithful person is humble. They're not a worldly person. And they are satisfied. And they like to stay home. My wife likes that one. Most wives like that one. Look at verse 6. Shall not all these take up a parable against him? And a taunting proverb against him and say, woe to him that increases that which is not his. How long? And to him that loads himself with earthly goods. So Habakkuk's words to us are, don't be worldly. Don't be worldly. Don't rely upon your own powers and not on Yahweh. We'll never be able to sustain ourselves and our self-centered lifestyle or be satisfied by it apart from Yahweh. Never. Verse 7. Shall they not rise up suddenly that they will bite you and awake that shall trouble you and you shall be for plunder for them? You see... Be careful of today's modern age, not to rise up suddenly and bite one another. 
Too many people are doing that. As believers, we all need to learn to be patient before leaping into action. Surely we can see that. Especially if it involves social media, where we don't have a full, clear view or field of vision. You only see partially. So don't leap up and bite one another when you don't have the whole picture. Be patient. Because, verse 8, you have spoiled many nations. All the remnant of the people shall spoil you because of men's blood. And for the violence against the land of Israel and against the city. And of all that dwell there, woe to him, woe to him that covets an evil game for his house, that he may set his nest on high, that he may be delivered from the power of evil. You see, Yahweh will make the great and the small alike drinks of his cup of judgment to fulfill his purposes. And these are the wicked woe oracles that we're now getting into. The wicked, they cannot rest. The wicked, they are crooked and bent. Crooked and bent, and they shall not abide. Yahweh's judgment, Yahweh's judgment will always come upon them in the meantime. Verse 10. You have consulted shame to your house by cutting off many peoples. And you have sinned against your own being. For the stone shall cry out to the wall. And the beam out of the timber shall answer it. Woe to him that builds a town with blood. And establishes a city with iniquity. See. Is it not Yahweh Sevot. That the nations shall labor only for fire. And the nations shall weary themselves for absolutely nothing. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge and the glory of Yahweh as the waters cover the sea. But woe to him. Woe to him who gives his drink to neighbor. That pours from your wineskin to him and makes him drunk also. That you may look on their nakedness as mankind tries to gain glory for himself in this age that we live. He tries to gain glory for himself by public works that are built upon wickedness and injustice. All it does is exhaust him. It wearies him out. His weary works are nothing but vain and empty endeavors. Constructing today military machines and buildings of might. Buildings and machines that fail before Yahweh's righteous judgment is the age in which you and I live. As the nations labor for might and power over one another, this ultimately, ultimately results in atomic fire and nuclear tribulation. Verse 16. Verse 16. You are filled with shame for glory. Drink also and be exposed as uncircumcised. The cup of Yahweh's right hand shall be turned to you. And the shame shall be on your glory. You see, Yahweh is at work in the world fulfilling his purpose right in front of you. Right in front of me. He is at work fulfilling his purpose. And a big part of that working is his active judgment. 
which everyone seems to dislike. But that's a sign of his working in the world today. Verse 17. For the violence of Lebanon shall cover you. For the violence of Lebanon shall cover you and the plunder of beasts which made them afraid because of men's blood. And your violence, your violence against the land of Israel and the city and of all that dwell in it. Now this is a serious concern. As we get into verse 17, because anyone, anyone who's familiar with Lebanon's history should tremble at these words. Look, for the violence of Lebanon shall cover you. That, that, that does make you tremble, especially in the light of the day and age that we live, in the generation that we live. Do you understand the violence that has covered Lebanon in the past 50 or 60 years? In the 1960s, Lebanon was known as the Paris of the East. It was a beautiful place where tourists would go for wonderful holidays to the beaches of Beirut. Can you imagine? But that's what Lebanon was like in the 1960s. It was a thriving Christian community. Beaches and the sun and off the tourists went to Beirut. Not quite the tourist destination nowadays. And then, you see, the prophecy of verse 17 was enacted after the 1960s. Because Lebanon actually became one of the most complex war zones in the whole of the Middle East. From its civil war in the 1970s, then we had the PLO strike point in the 1980s, we've had Israeli invasions, we've had refugee um, camp massacres, we've had bombing attacks, we've had the president assassinated, which was later blamed on Mossad, we had a 16-year Syrian occupation. I mean, the, the violence that has covered Lebanon since the 1970s has been beyond measure of any nation in the Middle East. Verse 17, the violence of Lebanon covered and the plunder of beasts. Very interesting phrase that. That led to millions of displaced civilians and the Paris of the East was in fact turned into the spoil and ruin of the East. Very sad, very sad history. I have several friends from that area and very, very sad history indeed. With, with Syria's ongoing sectarian violence within Lebanon, in particular the beasts of verse 17 are the Shia militant group Hezbollah. Hezbollah whose violence covers Lebanon full of men's bloods with sights set on the state of Israel and all that dwell in it. So we can see how that prophecy has been enacted in our days. Now, in verse 18, now you see that the judgments are going to shift. It's going to shift to those who've worshipped false gods because the nations, well, they're just full of idolatry. Just full of idolatry. But take comfort because Habakkuk reveals from faith to faith, from faith to faith, that there is in fact, a limit set on human wickedness. Yes, 
That's the good news. There is a limit. I mean, I, I know we seem to think it's limitless. You're like, oh my goodness, it's ever increasing, ever worse. But no, from faith to faith, Habakkuk tells us that there's a limit set on human wickedness by the majesty of Yahuwah. Now that's good news for you, and that's good news for me in this day and age. Look at verse 18. What profit is the carved image to the maker who has it carved it? A molten image and a teacher of lies, the maker of his works trusts in what he has made to make dumb idols. Woe to him that says to the wood, awake, to the dumb stone, arise, it shall teach. See, it is laid over with gold and it is laid over with silver and there is no breath whatsoever inside of it. Yes, AI, exactly, Uh, in our generation. Ultimately, the nations have befallen to the primary sin of pride. Have they not? They think themselves gods who can rule over human life and use human life for their own selfish purposes of greed, force, and renown. And that's the world that you and I have been born into. Look at verse 20. But Yahweh is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before him. These worldly tyrants, today they're politicians, or could be the actors who support their liberal causes, their wicked causes. They all are in the business of oppressing men with heavy debts and taxation, enslaving the population in ever-increasing debt and legislation and mind control, robbing, deceiving, and oppressing the population. It's their modus operandi. It's the modus operandi of our day, is it not? Whenever you turn on a stream or read the news, you see these politicians the liberal actors that support their causes, and you just see the oppression of those who are not awake because they have become under their mind control. Where the people begin to revolt though, don't they? We're seeing this in Paris. We're seeing this in England. People are beginning to revolt against their oppressors in the street like we're seeing over in Europe today. But truly the prophet Habakkuk, he has spoken. And he has spoken into my day. He's spoken into my week. I pray that he's spoken into your day. And I pray that he's spoken into your week. It's a stark message for stark times. But it's good to be wise. It's good to be awake. And it's good to go from faith to faith. And that's the calling of the prophet Habakkuk. So be blessed. And be a blessing. And Shabbat Shalom, we'll see you when the smoke clears. Amen?